This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Mark Appel. Mark, how's it going? I'm doing well, Paul. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man, I'm pumped for this this one. I'm a big baseball fan, and uh, I've been watching your career since Stanford, just uh, just being a baseball junkie when you know the draft and all that stuff happens. So uh, it's great to have you. Um, I know you you were drafted uh, three times in the MLB. We'll say that. I know that's kind of a rarity. It's some people that don't know baseball. You know, it could happen twice a lot because high school and college and things like that. So let's just get into it. Um, how did you get? How did you first start playing baseball? Man, uh, I, I think I think growing up in Houston, Texas, you know, I was Astros baseball crazy um, back in the you know late '90s and early 2000s, and um, yeah, I mean the Astros had some good teams those years, and so um, I I started playing little league just like almost everyone else, and you know t-ball to coach pitch to machine pitch, then kids pitch and and all that stuff, and I just every year I just kept loving it more and more and more and wanted to keep playing. And, um, you know, and so, yeah, I think my, my origin stories are pretty, pretty humble, pretty simple, uh, from that perspective. Yeah, for sure. And then, then you grew up in California, correct? Yeah, that's right. I, I, I was born in Houston. Um, when I was 12 years old, I, we moved to California for my dad's job. And, um, and, and so we were, we were in the San Francisco Bay area and, um, yeah. And so started, you know, found a team out there and started playing some more. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And it's like you're you're now in, in high school and you're trying to make varsity and all that stuff. And then then it's like, wow, things are starting to get better. I'm, I'm getting better. I'm playing better. You know, I'm throwing harder. Uh, now colleges are calling. And, you know, it, it, it really was just like one thing after another. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like I had this this one year that really changed my life in, in, in a lot of ways. It was just like constant, consistent, working at it, trying to get better. And um, yeah, eventually found myself with the scholarship to Stanford. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So going into in high school and things like that. So what, what was your recruiting process like? And like, how many, how many offers did you have? Yeah, I was kind of a late bloomer. So um, I, you know, I played freshman, my freshman year, I played JV my, uh, my sophomore year and then varsity my junior and senior year, which is like the kind of the, like the standard for, <laughs> for everyone. Right. And, um, and so I was kind of a late bloomer. Um, I threw hard, but I, I, I played basketball too. And so when I, you know, I, when I was playing basketball, it's like that ran into the baseball season. And so I, like my coach didn't love that. And, and, you know, so I, I actually didn't play that much in high school. Um, you know, I think I pitched like 30 innings my senior year and that was it. And, and so, um, yeah, it, it was kind of this weird process, but I ended up going to one of the perfect game showcases, uh, just one of the local ones and, and was thrown pretty hard for, for my age and got invited to the national showcase and, and went to that and was thrown pretty hard. And, you know, there are guys that were probably way better than me, but, um, it was enough to, to put my you know, put myself on the, on the map for some colleges. Um, I say local colleges cause Stanford and Cal were, uh, were within an hour from where I was living, but I mean, there's still great D one programs. And so both of those teams had reached out as well as some other 
some other uh, local schools that are a little bit smaller, but still have produced a lot of great baseball players like St. Mary's, um, Santa Clara, San Jose State. Um, and then, you know, I had a couple teammates that were being recruited and had committed to out-of-state schools or, or maybe some Southern California schools. And so, like, from, from the Bay Area, it started to grow and grow and grow um, as I, you know, kept playing and kept going to a showcase or playing in a tournament or something like that. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's like Stanford was my number one. Um, when I was 12 years old playing Little League Baseball, I was baseball crazy that summer. And I was in Houston as my last year in Houston. Uh, and my dad points out, you know, he's a, he's really emphasized education and in, in our family, but he, he points out, it's like, look, the final two teams in the college world series this year are Stanford and rice. And both are great academic schools. And so in the back of my mind, it's like, Oh, those are the two schools. Like those are my dream schools. And being a Houston kid, I thought it was rice. And then when we moved to California, I was, I was in Stanford's backyard. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it was kind of crazy how it all worked out. Um, I, you know, like faith is big for me. So like, I see God's hand on all of that as it, um, as, as it, as you know, as it happened. Were you always a pitcher? Uh, I played center field, third base growing up, but I, I mean, I'd always pitched. Um, I always loved that. I think, I think I had growing up, I had this like thing where I would, I would get distracted and I would just need to be active. And, and so like pitching was great. Cause I was part of every single play. It's like, I had to be, be, be present. Um, and so, so yeah, but I, I've always pitched. I thought I was a decent hitter. Like when I say, I like, I try to be as honest as possible. It's like, I wasn't a great hitter by any means. So like pitching worked out well for me. Um, but it's like, I think I was still good enough to like play on our high school, you know, hit on our high school team and like play the outfield when I wasn't, um, when I wasn't pitching. But, um, like I said, our, our, our high school basketball teams were really good. So I missed like three weeks of the season anyways. And coach was like, no, nah, you're just, you're just pitching. Like, so what about velocity wise? Like, what was your, like, say like from, I don't know, sophomore year to senior year, like, what was your, what was it miles per hour? And like, what was your goal? Like, and like the first time throwing 90, maybe. Yeah, I, I can't remember the first time I hit 90. Um, it's probably my, like, maybe my junior year uh, or summer going into my junior year. Um, you know, I think my sophomore year, I was like 88. Then junior year, I hit like 91. Senior year, I hit like 93 or 94. And then going to college, like my freshman year, I hit 90, 96, I think. And then sophomore year, I hit 98. Junior year, I hit uh, 100. And so it's like, every year is like two to three miles an hour on my, my peak velocity and then building up that stanima as a, as a starter. Um, and, uh, uh, over my, my sophomore and junior year, it's like, now not only am I hitting, you know, a higher peak velocity, but I'm like maintaining a higher baseline velocity throughout the game. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, I mean, it's honestly just like, for me, it was just playing more and more and getting more innings under my belt and working out and my body growing and developing and things like that. All right. What, what does it feel like to throw that fast? <laughs> it was, I, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this one story because it was maybe one of the like most baller moments. Like I, I just felt like on top of the world. Cause I'm like, man, and, and granted I'm in college, right. It's like my junior year, I'm, I'm a top prospect and 
we're playing at Washington State in Pullman, Washington. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little cold, but, and I am, I'm so ready for this game. It's early in the season. I've already had a couple of good games. I just want to build off of that. And, um, I, I end up throwing a complete game shutout. I strike out like 10 or 11, something like that. Um, you know, I hit, I remember on their video board, they had the velocity. So it's like, I hit 99 in like the third inning. And by the time I got to the eighth inning, I'm like, I'm sniffing a complete game. There's no way anyone's getting on base. You know, I'm like building myself up on all this stuff, but I got so much adrenaline at that point. It's like in the ninth inning, I also hit 99 on the radar. It's like my, you know, 112th pitch or something like that. I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of a beast right now. Like, let's go. Um, it, it, it felt, it felt awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it, but I, I haven't, I haven't thrown that hard. Uh, gosh, probably since then, you know, it feels like, um, um, and then just going to Stanford, I think they, I believe they call it like the Ivy league of the West. So what was it? What was that like? Uh, just balancing, uh, school and baseball. Yeah, it, it was, it was, um, it was difficult, but not like, like un- unbelievably difficult. You know, it's like, I, I, I like to push myself in all areas of my life. And so, I wanted to do a good degree. I wanted to study hard, but yeah, there were definitely times where I'm like, man, my time is my most valuable resource and I can't do all the things that I need to do as well as I want to do them. And so you're just like, I gotta, I gotta cut corners in some way. Um, and not like cheating or anything like that, but just being like, man, I, I need to prioritize, you know, baseball or I need to prioritize these one or two classes and let some of the other stuff fall away. Um, and so I remember I, I like got a, I got a C in a class and I was like so upset cause I'd been a straight A student and I called my dad. I'm like, dad, I'm so sorry. I'm failing you like all this stuff. And I felt so guilty for getting a C and he's like, he's like, son, do you know how many C's I got in college? And, then, and I'm like, uh, no, he's like, you know, I, I have this picture of my dad that he's like just this amazing man. Right. And, um, and he's like, did you learn something? I'm like, yeah. Did you do your best for, with what you had? I'm like, yeah. I mean, he's like, all right, that's fine. Like, <laughs> you're going to be okay, dude. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah that, that let, like, let me breathe out and be like, all right, I don't, I don't need to be perfect. Um, I don't need to have everything all figured out at all times. So, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was, it was hard. It was hard, but it was manageable. Yeah, for sure. I, well, you know what they say? They say C's get degrees. <laughs> That's right. C's to get degrees. I, I felt that uh, I took a class that like qualified for two of my like requirements for all freshmen. And so like usually only one class will qualify for one requirement. So but this one class qualified for two, but I was not interested in the subject at all. And I barely got a C. And I'm like, I don't care. I like I'm getting it out of the way. <laughs> like, there we go. All right. So your junior year comes around and um, you get, you get drafted eighth overall um, up leading up to that. Like, where did you think you were going to get drafted? And did you, were you like satisfied getting drafted eighth? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so all the Intel that I had at the time was that I would be a top two or three pick, um, you know, and, and that, that draft is so interesting because that draft, there's a lot of good players that are still playing from, from that draft. Um, and it's, it's a very interesting one, but, uh, yeah. So, so when, when I 
when I fell to eighth overall, you know, it's like, oh, wow, such a disappointment. No, I was, I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic to be drafted. I was ecstatic to, um, to know that like all the work that I did was, was being recognized by, by the MLB and that I was a first rounder and, and all this stuff. Um, but it was really, really interesting. And, and, um, you know, I had never talked with the pirates organization up until then. And it, it was just like a really strange situation. You know, it's the, ver- the first year of the new draft rules. So it was the first year of the pool system. Uh, and so I think a lot of teams were like, we aren't sure how other teams are going to play this um, because there's, there can be incentives to, you know, like there, I mean, there's huge incentives to saving money in the draft, right? Because that means you can go draft other guys and the Astros pl- played it to perfection, right? They drafted Carlos Correa. They signed up for way under slot. Um, and with that extra savings, they were able to draft Lance McCullers and, you know, Rio Ruiz and, and some other guys that ended up playing in the big leagues. And obviously Lance has had an incredible big league career. And so there, there was just a, a lot that went into it. Um, that um, is actually kind of fun to like think about now that, that everything's kind of played out as it has. But, but yeah, I was, I was ecstatic. Um, but at that point, it's like, I had to, I had to make a decision because unfortunately, you know, I think the pirates saw me as a guy that they wanted to pay what they felt like I was worth yet. They, with the, the penalties of paying over slot, they would lose a first rounder and losing a first rounder is like way more valuable than, you know, a million dollars, $2 million or whatever it is. Right. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a really hard decision. It was a hard, hard decision to, to end up going back to school and, um, turning down the pirates offer. And half the time I felt like I was crazy. And then half the time I was like, you know what? Like, I love being at Stanford. I got an opportunity to go to, to Omaha um, which we never got to do. Like we came close two years, two years in a row. And, and I was like, man, I, I just see the value of having my senior year is like pretty high. Uh, and I didn't necessarily f- make that decision beforehand or think about it. But like in the moment, I was like, man, I, I would, I would love to go back for my senior year. I think that'd be awesome. And, and I felt like I would have a, another opportunity to get better. I had great great relationships with my coaches, with my teammates. Um, and, and, and then, you know, I, I'd still be eligible to be drafted in the next, in the next year's draft. And unfortunately it all worked out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what was it like mentally? Like you, you, like you get drafted and you, maybe you probably think you're going pro and then you go back to like college. Like, is that, was that like weird too? A little bit. I mean, fortunately, like the draft happens basically, at the end of the, at the end of the season and you have the summer. And so it's like, there's a, there's a nice separation to like make that decision. And then it's like, once I made that decision, I came back to school in September and was just ready to go. Um, but it wasn't like in the middle of the season, I was like, Oh, I have to make this decision. Then you come back. It's like, there's enough time to like process and enough time to kind of prepare myself for, for my senior year. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think for, for so many reasons, it was a good decision. Um, and yeah, it was, it is, it is still a really, really hard decision. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you might have one of the top, like ever bet on yourself moments. Like you get drafted eighth, eighth overall and then the following year you're ball out and then you go number one. So what, what is, how, how did that make you feel? 
uh, felt it felt great. Um, but the thing is, is like I knew making that decision. It's like I didn't need to get drafted in the first round or first overall for it to be a good decision. It's like it, I felt like it was just a good decision in the moment, regardless of whatever the outcome was. Um, but it was it was totally satisfying knowing that it's like I went back to school. I I had goals. I worked on those things. You know, one of the things I wanted to work on was um, <clears throat> was pitching inside a lot better. And I felt like I did that. Um, I had, you know, I had a better year. I, I was more effective. Um, I felt like I was able to hopefully impact some of our younger players, um, which, you know, I care a, a whole lot about. It's just the, the relationships in the game. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, the, the Astros were at the bottom of the barrel for a couple years in a row. And so they had the first pick again. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, they didn't pick Mark last year. So why would they pick him this year? And um I, I just, you know, I had no idea what would happen um, and whether they would pick me or not. And, um, but I think that's kind of what walking in faith looks like. It's just like, all right, I'm, I'm making the best decisions I can right now. And I just trust that it all work out as it should. Um, and, and yeah, so it was really, it was a really fun day getting drafted by my hometown team, you know, um, you know, my family was with me and friends and it, it was just a really fun day to celebrate all, the, all that God had done in my life and um was still doing you know yeah yeah that's awesome like even i know uh like even i think i believe the the pirates offered you around 3.8 million dollars and then you got around six million dollars so well not almost double but like around there so that was that's obviously also dope that you did that once again the bet on bet on yourself like that's the crazy like that's why i think it's like so like i don't think i don't know if anyone ever else done that and got like drafted even higher than that so uh, obviously you know i had a lot of people helping me make that decision um you know my my advisor who ended up becoming my agent was scott boris and his team and uh and so you know people talk about scott boris all the time right that he's like the super agent but then you know either fans appreciate him because he just does his job well some fans hate him because he does his job well and he you know gets these good contracts for all the, you know, but one of the things that like people don't understand is how persuasive he can be and how good he is at making logical arguments. And so, you know, one of the things he told, and he was just one voice in helping me make this decision. And, and, you know, like my family was weighted way higher than, than Scott, but, but I love, I love Scott. And, um, you know, one of the things he said that summer was he goes, you know, we think that you should, you should sign for at least, you know, $5 million, maybe $6 million or whatever. So it's like, say it's $6 million. You got offered 3.8. That difference is $2.2 million, right? And he goes, where can, where in the world as a 20, 21 year old pitcher, can you make 14 starts and throw a hundred innings and make $2.2 million? Like nowhere, like you can't do it, you know? And he's like, that's kind of the the opportunity you have, you know, it's like, if you, if you go out and you just do what you did last year, it's like, we have every reason to believe that you'll do much better. And, and then you, you, you get into pro ball and you start seeing it. It's like, you know, I'm, I just made my debut this year and I'm like, man, minimum salary is fantastic. I'm not complaining at all about like the pay or anything like that. But if you look at it from like, how, how much, how long do you need to play before you can make $2 million? It's like 
that's at least three seasons being on the roster the entire time. And that requires you staying healthy and pitching well and all that stuff. It's like, that's, that's not easy to do, you know? And, and that's, you know, that, that ends up being about $2 million. And so you're like, wait a minute, that was kind of a genius thing for Scott to say. Um, and, and, you know, trying to persuade me to go back to school, um, which is what his desire was. And then, you know, um, yeah, I got to talk with coaches and teammates and, and family and stuff. So, yeah, I think, I think that's just like uh, one stigma that people just don't realize. They think like all pro athletes are like super rich, which is especially in the minor league baseball, like people still don't understand that it's just like, they're making like $1,200 a month. And like you said, if you don't get drafted high, then like, it's like, you're literally living off nothing, like literally less than minimum wage. I know they just, didn't they just win a case? I think last year or the year before the minor leaguers. Yeah. Yeah, they, they. I think they had a civil class action lawsuit uh, against MLB and 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 won. Um, and I don't know what the what the payments are going to be. It, it'll be it'll be helpful, but it won't really like fully make up for like the the issue that I have with it is that from MLB's perspective, if you want to have the best product on the field, like you should be able to like, you should be trying to find and invest in that product to be on the field. It's like when you have players that are retiring, that have skills, they have talent, and maybe they just need a little bit of time and some more reps before they can really fully maximize that potential. It's like you have these players that are retiring because they have families and they can't even afford to put food on the table while they're playing the the game that they love. It's like, man, I think, I don't think that's, necessarily just the PR issue. I think that's a competition issue. It's like you're actually losing the competitive battle and putting the best product on the field. And that that's where I come come at it. It's like like why why don't we do the little things that allow these players to work on their craft because it's like you want to win a World Series, you're going to need good players that are healthy that can go up and compete and be ready to go. Um and it's not just on the player, you know, because sometimes the player doesn't have the financial means to, to make that work, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's also like, I know they just started cutting like the short A or, and some of those two, which I, I mean, it's a good thing and a bad thing. So it's like a, it's like a catch 22 because like you said, like it could, that could help with the other, like, you know, um, levels and stuff. But then that, what if there's, you know, there's always that one guy that potentially could be a superstar. So you never know. Exactly. Exactly. I I think in the long run, it, it'll probably be a good thing. Um, but, you know, right now we're in a place where it's like there's a lot of qualified minor league free agents that have big league service time that might not be able to get a job this year because you have these roster limits, you know, in the minor leagues. And you only have like four teams when teams used to have seven and you could just stash as many guys and allow guys to take the time to develop. It's like, independent baseball is going to be a legitimate path to the big leagues. I mean, you got guys that they don't make the team and affiliated or they do, but they aren't playing every day. And they're like, I need to go play every day. So they ask for the release. They go play independent ball. They start playing every day and they put up great numbers. Now they get to come back and they get a starting position in some team. And, you know, it was like, you're going to hear way more stories of guys that went through independent ball and they, they end up in the big leagues. Um, and it's going to be really cool. Going into your, your minor league career, um, I know it, w- it was a rough one. 
and I remember seeing your post this year, uh, or last year, I guess now on Twitter. Um, so just, just describe like, I guess, uh, all the ups and downs you went through and then like what kept you motivated. So, I mean, it's been, it's been a journey. Um, I mean, so I was drafted in 2013, first overall highest of highs felt like, you know, nothing could be better than this except getting to the big leagues quickly. And I was expected to get to the big leagues quickly, you know? I remember it's like even when I was drafted, like Harold Reynolds on MLB Network was like, this is a guy who could be, you know, in the big leagues in August and September and helping these Astros and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and so I, you know, they had me on a on a pitch, you know, innings limit that year. And so I was like, I pitched another couple, you know, 20, 30 innings um, that that season. And then they shut me down. So I came back 2014. I'm like, this is going to be the year I'm I'm ready for it. I'm pumped. And, you know, enter the worst year of my life. Right. And so it's like I had I had an appendectomy right before spring training. I basically missed all of spring training, um, started the season just like slow behind schedule, ended up going to Lancaster, California uh, in 2014, which is a notorious hitters park. The wind is blowing straight out. I mean, there's videos on YouTube of guys that are like holding their jackets and it's like like a flag. It's just blowing straight out. Um and, uh, and, and, and so it's like, I, I mean, I gave up a broken bat home run over the fence in Lancaster, uh, that season. And so it's like, I had a 10 ERA, I mean, the worst baseball I've ever played in my life. Um, just, and then that, that was all within the span of like 12 months of when I was drafted. It's like less than 12 months later, I went from the highest of highs to like the lowest of lows, like pretty depressed, um, pretty just like lost and trying to figure out it's like I'm working so hard I'm trying to learn I'm trying to do things the right way and it just nothing is translating to the field not only that but I started to feel a couple things in my body that I'd never felt like my arm my my shoulder were just like kind of nagging it wasn't anything that was like man I can't keep competing um but it was it was there and so 2014 I ended that season in in double a I got what I consider kind of a, a pity call up to double A cause I had a 10 ERA and a ball. And they're like, <laughs> like, we just want him to have one good start. And I couldn't even do that. And they're like, all right, well, let's just move him to double A. And I actually pitched better uh, once I got to double A, but um, it still wasn't like great by any means. Um, and then going to the 2015 season, I'm like, all right, this is the year, you know, had the off season to just decompress and try to reset my mindset the, this is the year, go to double A. Um, and our double A team was stacked that year uh, in Corpus Christi. You know, we had like Lance McCullers, Correa. Um, I think Tony Kemp was on that team. Um, Josh Hader, you know, it's like we had all these guys, Vince Velasquez. And, and so opportunity arose, but I wasn't pitching it. I wasn't in a place where I was pitching well at all. Um, and, and so other guys got these opportunities and, and that, that hurt because I was like, man, I, I want to be that guy. I want to be ready. Um, ended up getting called up to AAA and ended up finishing the season there. And we win the AAA National Championship. But, but again, I don't get that September call up. And I'm like, man, I, like, I, I just want to be in the big league so badly. Um, and, uh, and then in December of that year, in that offseason, you know, our general manager, Jeff Luno, he gives me a call and he's like, hey, Mark, um, you know, we love having you part of the Astros organization, but we had to make a trade. And Philadelphia Phillies are, you know, are, are 
uh, your team now. Um, they, they said they wouldn't make the trade unless you were part of the deal. And so, um, you know, we wish you the best of luck in Philadelphia and the manager GM over there is going to give you a call. And, um, yeah. And so it's like, I was like, Oh my gosh, like my hometown team, you know, two and a half years after they drafted me had traded me. Um, and, and that was, that was, that was hard. It's like a tough pill to swallow, you know, cause it's like the, the storybook, like, path the storybook you know ending to what i was experiencing like in college it was great right it was like yes this is the path this is the path and then over the span of the next two years i'm like wait a minute everything's going off the rails this isn't this isn't how it's supposed to happen um and so i i take some time and i reset i'm like all right i'm showing up to a new team new spring training, new organization, new coaches, new everything, like clean slate, fresh start. 2016, within, I think, eight or nine starts, I get hurt, and I'm on the DL, right? And my shoulder's killing me, so I start doing all this rehab. As I'm rehabbing, my elbow is bothering me, and we end up getting an x-ray, and I have bone spurs. And so these bone spurs are, like, preventing me from doing a lot of stuff that I, I've needed to do. and I've had them for probably a couple of years and I didn't even realize it. I just thought it was like, maybe this is just the normal aches and sores of like pitching and getting older and things like that. Uh, so I had surgery in 2016 and ended up, um, ended up recovering and coming back in 2017 and being like, all right, again, this is the year, this is when it's going to happen. And 2017 wasn't much better. I, I maybe got through, you know, 15, 16 starts. I got through the beginning of July that year. And again, I was hurt. I remember my last game and I was in Syracuse uh, pitching against the Mets AAA. And I think I threw 52 pitches in the first inning and I didn't get out of it. I walked like five or six guys. My velocity had dipped into the eighties. You know, I was, I was done. I was like, I don't, I don't have anything left. And it was one of the, it was one of the worst moments, like just one of the worst feelings that I've ever had. And so I go down to Florida and I'm rehabbing and I'm checking off every single box in, in the training room. They're giving me all these exercises, all these tests, I'm checking off everything. But as soon as I start throwing again, my shoulder is bothering me like crazy. And, uh, and so I go into that off season and I'm like, man, I, I don't really know what to do. I, like I'm going to keep working and keep trying to get better. And by about Christmas time, it's like I had tried to throw and nothing got better. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to need surgery. And if I'm going to need su surgery, that means like a whole nother year or more on the injured list down in Florida, away from family, away from friends, like not doing what I love doing. It's like, I don't, I just don't even know if that's going to be healthy for me a minute, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically I'm, I'm beat up. And so, um, yeah, so I decided to walk away from baseball, um, at, at the end of 2017, gave the Phillies a call and, um, yeah. And, and I, I, it was, it was cool. Like they, they actually weren't like overly surprised. They were like, yeah, we know it's been a, a rough road for you. We wish you the best. Like we want the best for you. You know, it was, it, they were very gracious. They weren't like upset. They're like, if you want to come back, like, let us know. If we can do anything to help, let us know. But, you know, like, yeah, we want the best for you. So, uh, yeah, and then that started like three, three-ish years, three, three and a half years of being away from the game before I came back. 
Um, so what were you doing during, during that time? And then when you, when you hung it up for the first time, did you, did you think you were never going to play baseball again? Totally. Yeah. So, uh, so 2018 was that year that, you know, I didn't show up to spring training. I called the Phillies. Um, you know, there was a bleacher report article that came, came out and, um, you know, they, they called me like potentially the biggest bust in MLB history and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, that's, at least I, I, you know, I won an award for something. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was, I, I made this decision again, very similar to this, the decision of going back to school for my senior year. I was like, I need to make the best decision no matter what the outcome is. Like my, my decision today doesn't depend on whether what I'm trying to do works out in the long run. Right. And, and, and so so I made the decision to walk away and I was like, I can't even think about baseball. Like, I just need to get away from it. I need to do something else. Um, and, and, and not like get away from the game, but just get away from playing, get away from like me putting this expectation, this pressure, this like desire to perform, to succeed on the field. I need, I need to get rid of that completely. So I, I said, I'm, I'm going to live life this year as if I'm never going to play again. So I stopped working out. I stopped throwing. I, you know, I tried to, you know, stay healthy or whatever. Like I didn't just go off the rails, but, but it's like, I stopped training to like be a professional athlete and I, I found a job. Um, it was, it was in the financial world. I did that for like six months. Um, ended up like enjoying part of it, not enjoying part of it, but it's like, it's good work experience. I ended up, you had like an office job? It kind of it was a work from home. It was a work from home. And it is actually still in baseball. Um, and, and so, but it, it was weird because it's like I was being, I, I, I we were, we were selling like a, essentially an insurance product. Um, and, um, and, and so like we were selling this product and, and I found that um, I, I was like being asked and, and it wasn't like a direct ask. Right. But for me to do that job, well, I needed to leverage the relationships that I had in order to make a sale. Right. And I think everyone's probably experienced it at some point. It's like, Oh, I haven't heard from this guy in a couple of years. He's reaching out, checking in, you know, and then he gets to the heart of the issue of like, Hey, I'm working for this company. I've got this product, you know, yada, yada, yada. Right. And, and, and I, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't love that. Not because I don't like, it's not, I don't think it's wrong or anything like that. It's just not my personality. It's like, I care too much about these relationships. Um, and, uh, and I really hope I didn't burn any of them, you know, and having some of those conversations that summer, but, uh, it was, it was great work experience. And I, I really learned a lot about myself and, and so I, I really value that. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm really thankful that I got to do that, but I'm also thankful that I left and I have a great relationship with the, the guys I was working with. And hopefully I still have a good relationship with all my ex teammates and things like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, and then after that, um, you know, I, I, I had, I, I had always wanted to see what it was like to invest in small businesses 
And so there was this sandwich shop out in California that I loved. And I, I made a relationship with the owner. I was like, hey, can we bring this to Houston? You know, doing the typical like athlete, like, oh, let, let me get into restaurants or whatever. And like, that's been one, super fun, two, way more work than I thought it would have would have been. And three, like restaurants are so fickle um, when it comes to like what people are interested in. And then COVID happened and that threw, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know what to do here, you know? Um, and so, so again, but again, another great experience. Um, but by the end of 2018, after that, almost like basically 12 months of being like, yeah, I think I'm done with this. I was like, I kind of had this itch. I'm like, I still love the game. I've been to a, a bunch of baseball games that, that year. Um, my college roommate, is uh Steven Piscotti and and so um he was playing with the A's at the time and they would come to play the Astros all the time and so when I was in Houston I'd go to these Astros game I'd wearing an A's hat <laughs> you know rooting for the team you know rooting against the team that drafted me and paid me all this money and stuff like that and and, and so it's like I I was still around baseball and I had this itch of like maybe I could still play, but I, I need to be healthy. It's like, it's clear that I still love the game. It's clear that I still love the people in the game. And I would love to have another opportunity to be in a clubhouse and to be on a mound and to do those things. I was like, I don't, I don't know if that can happen, but let me start talking to some doctors. Let me get some MRIs. Let me start doing these things. And so I decided to have surgery and, um, and, and then started the rehab process. And so I needed to change my job. I needed to you know, change some of the, the routines of my life, but I still wanted to work. Um, so I, I ended up doing rehab in the mornings and then I was working part-time as a, as a middle school and high school youth pastor at my local church <laughs> in the afternoons and on the weekends. And I just had the best time, you know, I gotta, I gotta just like hopefully impact the lives of, of kids that are trying to navigate this crazy world we're living in. And, um, and I started the rehab process and, the rehab process was not a straight line. It was up and down. It was bumpy. Um, and it ended up, you know, taking a, a much longer time than I anticipated when I started. Um, but eventually found myself when, where I was like, all right, I'm, I think I'm ready to go. And this was, you know, February, March of 2020. And then boom, COVID happens. And, uh, and, and so I was like, well, it doesn't look like there's going to be baseball this year, at least for me, like minor league baseball, um, so let's, let's set that tar target date to 2021. And, and so I think God tried to teach me a lot about patience, about just trusting him, about there are things that are outside of our control. There are things that we can't determine what's going to happen. And, and, and yet he's still in control. Like he, he, he sees us, he knows us, he loves us. Um, and, and that it's like, man, if we can just keep walking with him every day, then like we'll end up where we're supposed to be and, and, you know, making the impact we're supposed to be making and things like that. And so, so yeah, ended up coming back to spring training in, in 2021 after, you know, after almost four years away from, from competitive baseball. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. And, uh, so the, the Phillies still had your <laughs> rights. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So when I left, um, they put me on what's called the restricted list, which is, which is usually reserved for guys that like still have talent and like, and maybe, maybe they can come back and play for us, but they got some issues going on. 
Uh, most I think most guys are often put on the restricted list for like alcohol related um, issues or drug addictions and things like that. Things that are really, really hard. Right. And they do that because they're like, we want to help him get to, you know, get the help that they need, but we also value his performance on the field. And so we want to retain their rights. But all that did for me was it, it just hits the pause button on like the service time stuff. So in the minors, it's like, I don't know exactly how many years it is, but I think it's like, like five or six or seven years that they, they maintain your rights after you sign. And so it just hit the pause button. So when I came back, it's like, I still had a, a whole nother two years of just the, the normal minor league, like salaries and rights and things like that. And, um, and, but I was, that was three years after. So it's like, I was back in double a playing with guys that were, you know, three, four, five years younger than me. And, we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll both be free. We'll all be free agents in a couple of years. You know, um, we're kind of in the same boat. Um, and honestly, that's been one of the biggest blessings for me is because I've gotten to both, you know, I, I've gotten to play over the last couple of years with some some really amazing guys that are quite a bit younger than me. Um, but I think they've impacted me in an, an incredible way. And, and when I got called up this year, um, you know, a lot of the guys that, are the veterans, right? Kyle Schwarber, you know, I played with him in the futures game. Right. And, and like, we're, you know, we're about the same age, like JT Romuto and I are the same age, like Corey Knable. Um, like we played together in summer baseball in college. So it's like a lot of these guys that are like signing these big deals, like I'm peers with them. I'm like the same age, but they're the veterans. And then all the young guys that are coming up and like, I've gotten to play with these guys the last couple of years. So it's like, I felt very comfortable in the Phillies clubhouse because I'm like, I see a lot of friendly faces from the minors. I see a lot of friendly faces from just, you know, whether it's college ball or, or just a lot of the names that um, over the years, like we, maybe we played against each other or we were considered in that same group of players early in our careers. And then their careers, you know, shot off like a, like a pop rocket and, and mine <laughs> went into the dumps, but, uh, but there's still like a level of respect there. Tell me about when you got the call. It was, it was crazy. Um, it, so yeah, we were, we were at home in Lehigh Valley, uh, our AAA team with the Phillies and, um, yeah. And so after the game, you know, we lost, we lost the game, um, that, that day is, I think it was like a Friday and, but it was a close game. Like we battled back and, you know, we play so many games in baseball. And so it's like a loss, isn't that big of a deal. You, you got to play tomorrow, right? It's like, you got a short memory, move on, right? Did we play hard? Did we do the little things? Yeah. Sometimes you just lose, right? It was like, even the, you know, the best teams in baseball, you win a hundred games where you're losing 62 of them, right? It's like, there's a lot of losing. Um, and, and so, uh, and so our manager comes in and he's kind of like, he's kind of hot, you know, he's like pretty upset. And he's like, he's like, guys, like, you know, what happened out there tonight was like, was unacceptable. Like whenever, whenever I call your name, like you got to be ready to go. You can, like, you need to be ready. And if you're not prepared, like we're going to keep losing games and I can't trust you. Right. And so every, I, like, I'm like, like, who's he talking about? Like what's going on right now? You know, people are like a little nervous and he goes, you know, and then he keeps going. And he's like, and not only that, but it's like, 
if you don't show up every day prepared, ready to go in, it's like, we're going to lose games, but you're never going to go to the big leagues. And that's what this is all about. We're trying to get each and every one of you to the big leagues, you know? And he goes, but that's exactly what this guy has done the entire season so far. And he turns and he looks at me. And then I got like chills in that moment. I'm like, he goes like, Mark, you're, you're going to the big leagues. And like, it was, it was so cool. Cause I got to celebrate that with my teammates who had become like my family this season um, with my coaches, um, the trainers and it, just so many people. Right. And it was like overwhelming. Like I immediately started crying. I'm like, I can't even believe this. Um, and I think a lot of people knew my story, you know, teammates. And I had shared my story because I'm like, Hey, if I can share something that might help someone else, like I want to do that. And, and so it was like overwhelming um, just because of, all the time and, and you almost like in that moment have this flashback and you're like, oh my gosh, like from the beginning of my career when I was in college and I was, you know, a first rounder twice and I was expected to be in the big leagues quickly all the way to like, I basically retired, you know, I left indefinitely, right? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm lost. I can't even play physically I'm out of it. Then I come back and I'm like, I'm probably crazy for doing this. Like, I don't even know. I just, I just want to be in a clubhouse again and I don't have the expectations and then boom, it, it happens. And like, it, it, it like brought me to like, to my knees almost, you know, and just like humility and just like thankfulness and gratitude. Um, and yeah, it was, it was such an overwhelming emotional experience, um, getting to, to be in a clubhouse with a bunch of guys that I considered brothers um, and getting to celebrate that with them. And, and there were other, like the fun thing is like there were other guys that year that got big league opportunities for the first time that we got to celebrate. So this had become like a, a thing for us, you know, um, earlier that year, like a guy like Michael Kelly, who had been pitching in independent ball a couple years prior, you know, right. And so like he had been grinding and he's 30, 31 and, you know, he's, he finally makes it to the big leagues and like, that's a huge moment for him and his family. And then Derek Hall who ended up, you know, coming up for the Phillies and, and hitting some big home runs and some games and stuff. It's like, he had been working hard and hard and hard and playing so well, but never got that opportunity. And finally he gets that opportunity. And so it's like, there was just a lot of reason to celebrate, um, at least in triple a for us this year. Um, and it makes sense. Cause you know, Phillies, Phillies end up having an amazing, amazing season and, and a great playoff run. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was one of the best moments of my life. No, that's awesome. Um, and then, yeah, tell me, tell me like what it was like to, to pitch in your first MLB game and you got, and you got a strikeout in a clean inning. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank the Lord for that. Um, yeah, again, it was, it was maybe even better than the, the moment I found out I was going to the big leagues. Like I'm stepping on the mound for the first time, like, my my background i don't know if you can see it um let me turn off do not disturb but like my the background on my phone is a picture from right before i stepped on the big league mound and and like competed right and one of my teammates in in triple a aaron barrett um was like hey you know, and he, he said this early in the season. He's like, hey, like if any of you guys make your debut, just like enjoy it. Don't put pressure on yourself, all that stuff. And he's like, take a moment before you like go into the game and just like spin around and like take in the environment 
remember this moment, like take these mental snapshots. And so that's what I was doing when that picture was taken. And I just have like this grin on my face. I'm like, I, I think I was just recognizing like all the stuff that had happened again that led up to this moment that I'm like, I get it. I get a B. I get it. I get a pitch in the big leagues. Like this is unbelievable. This is my childhood dream. And it's now finally coming true. And I didn't need it to come true for me to enjoy my life and to be like at peace with who I am. Um, but I just recognize that it's like, man, that's just God's favor. And, and like, I just get to enjoy this at this point. And um, yeah, it was, it was completely overwhelming. Marcelo Zuna was my first batter that I faced through, through him a heater. You know, I was like, a, I'm sure they had their scouting report that I was like 80% fastball. So they're like looking for a heater and he just smokes it, like hits at a line drive, probably hits at 120 miles an hour. But right at, right at Reese Hoskins, our first baseman catches it one pitch, one out. I'm like, awesome. Next guy. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Adam Duvall and I, I get him on a sinker, you know, I think it's like a one, two sinker down on the way. And he just, it freezes him. And I'm like, that was sick. Like that was, you know, I give up a base hit and another ground ball and get out of the inning. And I come off the, the field, I come off the field and, um, you know, basically the entire dugout is like at the top step, like welcoming me. And like, I, I don't know how I didn't cry in that moment, but like tears were welling up because I'm like, the, the reception that they gave me and, and, um, just like, I felt, I just felt so loved and so honored. Um, and it was, it was almost too overwhelming for me, you know, because I'm like, I, I don't see myself as someone who's like deserving of any praise or any, you know, honor or anything like that. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just kind of a regular guy, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular guy who loves playing a game that a lot of people you know, love and find interest in. And I, I feel blessed that I get to do it and I still get to do it, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, I mean, 2022 is one of the, you know, in some ways, one of the hardest years of my life, but also like far and away, one of the best years of my life with all the blessings I got to experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why, I mean, I think you just have like an incredible story in general. That's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Uh, and now I believe you're a free agent right now, right? I am. I am a free agent. Yeah. Which is crazy. Now and now it's like you're uh, in your, your major leaguer, you had a great year. And uh, so, yeah, what is that looking like now? I know uh, free agency is happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, just being, brutally honest from my perspective it's like i know i know so many guys are you know teams are trying to fill in um you know the the their big pieces that they need to get right so that's why like all the big names are signing first right and then they they fill in the cracks with all these other guys and i'm like maybe in a past life it's like i saw myself as a potential big name but it's like i'm a fill in the crack guy right now um <laughs> uh, in, in all honesty and and that's okay like i'm okay with being there and um, maybe I won't always be there. Maybe I'll be able to go out and perform more and, and have another good year and, you know, maybe be a guy. Right. But uh, but yeah. And, and like I said, with the minor league contraction, how they reduce the number of teams, there's a lot of qualified players out there that are trying to get jobs. And so it's a very competitive free agent market um, from the, the labor side. It's like there's there's just a lot of players and not a lot of slots, not a lot of not a lot of roster spots. And so. 
Um, there's going to be, like I said, there's going to be a lot of guys that are playing in the ball. So I'm, I'm hopeful, um, that I'll be able to find an opportunity. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think I'll have a chance, whether it's back with the Phillies, which honestly might be my most likely outcome. Um, just because I, ha- I have a lot of relationships with the Phillies. Um, I, I think that they appreciated, you know, just my performance last year, even though I finished the season on the injured list, like they, they were part of that rehab process. They know that I'm healthy. Um, and so th- there's just a lot of known quantity, you know, no, it's an, I'm, I'm a known quantity to them. Um, so hopefully I'll have an opportunity with them and, um, but you know, it could, it really could be any team or it could be any ball, but, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very interesting process right now. Uh, just being in this place where I'm like I'm I'm a 31 right-handed relief pitcher with, you know, 10 innings under my belt in the big league. So it's like but coming off a pretty good year. So uh so we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, isn't this is the first time you're a free agent, right? Yeah, first time I'm a free agent. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. All right, you ready for some fun questions? Yeah. All right. What did, okay, what was your first big purchase? Oh my gosh. Um I didn't I honestly didn't make a big purchase. So I, I drafted in 2013. I, I bought my first house in 2016. That was my first big purchase. And so it's like the car I had was the car I was I had in college, was the car I drove for all those years in the minors. Um yeah, I didn't buy any nice clothes. Like I I'm a pretty simple guy, so um, you know, I, I, I traveled a little bit, you know, try to invest, you know, and, and I bought flights and try to invest in relationships, just go see friends and, and try to be with people. Um, like that's, that's what I care about. So what do you like to do in your, your free time when you're not playing baseball? Man, I, I like reading, I like writing a little bit. Um, that, that's, you know, like you mentioned some of the stuff I post on Twitter, um, and Instagram, um, but, you know, really, it's just like trying to trying to be with friends. Like I'm, I'm a big foodie, so I love trying out new restaurants and bars and things like that. Um, I'm currently tr- like living in my van. So I bought a van this this year. I'm currently traveling around trying to see again, trying to see friends, investing in these relationships. And so um, I'm just outside of Dallas right now about to hang out with a bunch of bunch of ball players this weekend and then going to end up over in the phoenix area for a week and a half or so go back up to the bay area um see see friends from college and you know probably work out and train at stanford a little bit um just kind of put the the you know final touches on my off season before i head back to spring training um so yeah but also being outdoors and and getting to travel and see beautiful places yeah that's dope i forgot what the guy's name was but i think he was on the blue jays he was doing that yeah, da- Daniel Norris. Daniel Norris. Yeah, I, everyone's been like, "Oh, you're like, you're like Daniel." Norris. I'm like, y- I'm like, yeah, in some ways, but also like, from what I know about Daniel, like he is, he is like truly, like I, I shouldn't say hippie because that has a lot of connotations, but he's like truly like, just like a, a just like a down to earth guy, right? And so he's like, I'm in a VW bus. I don't need any amenities, whatever. It's like I just want to go surf. I want to play baseball. I want, you know, and I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, I'm training. I'm, you know, I care about sleep. I, you know, it's like, and my, my van is actually like pretty, pretty nice. And so I'm like, I call myself bougie hippie. 
So he's, I'm like, I'm living in a Mercedes right now, not a VW bus. And, um, but I'm having, I'm having such a fun time. It's been a great experience so far. Yeah, that's dope. All right. Who's, who's like one guy you really want to face in the MLB? Oh man. Oh, um, I'd love to face the angels because they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Um, I, you know, two honestly the best players in baseball right now. Um, so I, I think that would be incredible. Um, I mean, but there's so many, just so many good players right now, um, all over the league. So, but yeah, that, those are the first two that, that pop out in my mind. For sure. Uh, last question. What is something people don't know about you? Probably that I'm living in the van right now. <laughs> Honestly, I think a lot of people don't know that, uh, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. All right, Mark. Well, I appreciate you coming on and um, could you let the listeners know where they can follow you at? Yeah. Uh, I'm on, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Mark Appel 26. Um, it's first name, last name, A P P E L 26. I try to post stuff. I'm posting a lot of van stuff on Instagram these days and travel stuff. But um, yeah, I, I try to, I try to post every now and then whenever I feel inspired. Um, but Paul, I really appreciate you having me on the, on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun for me.